LF podcast, where we're focused on fashion, fitness, and of course food. This podcast is all about bringing these three parts of your life together to help you get the most out of your passions. We're here to help you look your best, feel great, and also indulge in some maybe not so hidden temptations. <laughs> we are by no means experts in any of these fields, but we do hope to bring people to the show who know what they're talking about and can help you with some of these aspects of your life. You only live once, so why not live a life worth living? On the show today, we have Chef Rob Hafer yet again. We are actually going to be talking about the current state of the restaurant industry here in Chicago and all across the U.S. Things have been pretty rough during COVID, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this fun little conversation with Rob as he talks about how things have changed in his life and how he's making the best out of COVID and rebranding himself as Chef Rob Hafer. So today we're sitting back down with uh, Chef Rob Hafer. How are you today? Good, good, good. So last last time we checked in, you were uh, the top dog chef at Slurping Turtle. Yes. Tell us what you've been up to since then. Well, after Slurping Turtle uh, met its demise, and I think we actually spoke about that the last time we had a conversation, was the inability to progress and you know get better and attract new customers. Well. Because they didn't, the restaurant ended up closing. Yeah. So, but because of my connections and friends and everything like that, literally walked around the block and got a job. <laughs> like, the day after I found out they were closing. So, I did my last two weeks there, and then I started at River Roast. And um, River Roast, what an establishment. City block long, you know, million-dollar months, $4 million months. Just cranking numbers, cranking numbers. And what an exciting job it was to have until St. Patrick's Day of 2020. COVID, yeah. Well, we all know what happened from there. A slow, slow decrease in business with just COVID. Then the restrictions from the CDC eliminated the banquet program. And the banquet program was half the lifeblood of the restaurant. Oh, yeah. I mean, between, you know, 100-person parties all the way up to 700-person buyouts, mm-hmm. you know, and the CDC said, we'll keep it at 100, so we were doing 100 people, yeah. then the CDC said, no, it's 50, <laughs> and then, I mean, we had to break hearts, we broke a lot of hearts, we had to call people and say, you can't do your wedding here, I'm yeah. sorry, you know, I mean, there are a lot of places that are quote-unquote bucking the system right. and still having those big parties trying to keep it under wraps. But being Levy, being a nationwide company that's owned by Compass, yeah. which is a worldwide company, playing by the rules is of the utmost importance. Yeah. You know, and then it went down to 25 people and then it was no more events. Yeah, right. And then it was no more indoor dining. You know, and Riveros had a great patio, but the slow demise on the patio, it, it just wasn't enough. Yeah. And seeing the inevitability of what was going to happen when round two came back around, uh, we started minimizing staff. We went down to from we went down from about 25 line cooks to three. Wow. And we went down from four chefs to two. <laughs> and uh, for a while, we just did to go pick up and to go like most other people are. But you know, some of the finer establishments. 
they, they just can't. Nobody wants to buy their food to go. Nobody wants to get a whole chicken delivered or, you know, a roast, <laughs> smoked and roasted pork tenderloin. And, you know, just the food just doesn't apply itself well to, to go. Yeah. And um, so in September, uh, I got pulled up into the office and I got furloughed. But I got furloughed. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's been, it's been a gift and a curse for me. Um, because now I've established, like, my own brand mm -hmm. and my own, you know, private chefing. And um, I'm getting busier. And it's kind of the business that I'm getting is COVID-driven. Right. As opposed to, like, the business, the actual brick-and-mortar restaurants are going down because of COVID. But private dining is going up because you're welcoming one person into your home. Yep. Untested every month. You know, masked up, gloved up. So many people just want to socialize with their friends in groups of four, six, eight, and nor normally. So why not just spend that money you're going to spend out with your friends at your place? You have that like capability. One hundred percent. It's no more expensive or cheaper than a restaurant. I try to keep my prices exactly where the restaurant would be. Yeah. You know, knowing food costs and everything from such experience, I can offer. You know, for what you would have paid for your ten friends to eat, right. I can offer you what you would have got at a restaurant, probably even more, considering I don't have overhead, I don't have labor, yeah. you know, so on and so forth. So I can run higher food costs at like 50% as opposed to like 25% like in the actual restaurant. I can run higher food costs. You can get more food for the same amount of money. So Plus, fully customizable. <laughs> you can't beat that. Speaking of which, give us some examples of some things you've done already so far in the last couple okay. weeks. Yeah. So, uh, well, in the last few weeks, I've done, um, let's see, I did a birthday, a surprise birthday party nice. where I got booked the night before <laughs> um, off of a website. I won't, I won't name, I won't drop the website, but um, the night before, uh, she wanted to surprise her boyfriend, yeah. and this was during the complete shutdown. And it was really fun. So we hurried up, we designed a menu, and went shopping the next day, and then the next day we did the party. And I showed up at the totally funny story. She's like, you have to wait downstairs because John won't put his pants on. Because John had no idea that I was coming. So she's trying to convince him. He wants to watch the Green Bay game on his couch, in his pajamas, in, in whatever. Right? And so I'm downstairs, I got my cart full of food, and she's like, give us one more minute. And so she's trying, and she finally just had to, you know, break the news to him, you know. Oh, there's a private chef downstairs in the lobby. You have to put pants on so he can come up and cook for us. So that was a really cool experience and made a relationship with them. And I'm actually doing a Valentine's Day dinner for them and nice. two of their friends. Um, so, and I think I'll continue to do, yeah. you know, whether it's a special event or whether it's for no reason at all, just go to their house. And I've done, I did a memorial for one of my friend's brothers that passed away. That was for 100 people. Mm. You know, regular old South Side banquet food. Fried, yeah. fried chicken, yeah. salad, mustacholi, Italian beef. You know, and so it goes all the way across the board. Right. Um, this weekend, I have a sushi class. So because of my experience at Takashi Restaurant yeah. and at Slurping Turtle, you know, I know 
teach people sushi, everybody thinks it's so hard. They do. Everybody does. Everybody's so amazed by sushi. But then, but then once you're like, once you watch somebody or you learn from somebody, you're like, oh, that's all it is? You know, it's a long, drawn-out process yeah. between making, selecting the rice, washing the rice, you know, all that stuff like that. But once you, once you really, is that Daniel? That looks like my friend Daniel. Uh, <laughs> um, once you really, you know, know the process, it's a very simple thing to do. Yeah. You know, and people get a kick out of, you know, they can, then, then they can tell their friends, well, I know how to make sushi. You know, <laughs> really, people be amazed by that. What an icebreaker at a party. I think I did that once at like an art event, but they didn't get the correct rice. Uh-huh. And so then, because I was working the event, they made me go first, and then everyone's laughed at me because it just like fell apart. Uh-huh. I'm like, it's because I'm white, and they all laugh. Yeah. Like, no, because you got the wrong rice. <laughs> <laughs> the rice wasn't very sticky. And then, yeah, and so then next weekend, full French. Old school, oh, nice. five course, escargot, foie gras. You know, so it's been a lot of fun for me too to not be, yeah. you know, to not have blinders onto the restaurant that I'm working in and have to position myself over just that food. Right. I could do whatever I want. And you as a guest could do whatever you want within my capability. Yeah. Pretty, pretty agile, technical chefs. So. What's interesting too is I think even as things kind of start to open back up, people are now accustomed to staying at home oh, doing something. Oh, I 100% something. agree. Right? So it's yeah. just like, we can't get a reservation on Friday night because it's Thursday. He'll just call this guy I know, see yeah. if he's available because he has time tomorrow during the day to go to shopping and cook us something awesome. Yeah. Might do a little pricier because yeah. it's 84. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Same day is a little rough sometimes yeah. without being able to plan for because then as I book multiple events, I can get buy in bulk yeah. and have ingredients and cut the price down for my guest because, you know, each guest that books the same menu is kind of helping the other guest save a little bit of money here and there. Right. Because, you know, A, I'm doing this to keep myself busy. Mm-hmm. B, I'm doing this obviously for money yeah. and for my children and so on and so forth. But C, I love it. You know, I absolutely love what I do. Yeah. And it's a great opportunity for me to say like flex the skills the different skills that i have and have fun cooking food not just so to say flipping the same burger over and over and over again yeah i get to do a whole bunch of different stuff i think you're starting to in this situation you're meeting the right people like I, example is we went to like a magic show where literally the whole point of it was for them to meet executives that wanted to have magicians come to like their company parties or whatnot, sure. right? So just being in that room of those kind of people who like that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. it's like you serve one person, like one couple a party, there are five couple friends are like, we want to do this at our place too because we're up next month to host. And like, who should we have? The same chef, well, let's change it from sushi to French to whatever, yeah. yeah. Definitely, definitely. And there's a lot of, I mean, word of mouth is, is amazing, especially right now because everybody's faces are buried into a computer or their phone because they're sitting at home all day. You know, you can't deny that everybody's on the internet, everybody's on Facebook, everybody's on their phone. So I've booked a party from posting a Facebook ad yep. that a friend I had from high school see who talked to a girl who I kind of know. She's the, she's the pharmacist at the Walgreens yeah. by my house who then gave my information to her friend and we booked the sushi rolling class. <laughs> so it, it's like, okay. And then I've had, you know, the repeat customer call and say, Rob, we're doing Valentine's Day. We want to do French. What you got? 
Just yeah. imagine like how like nice that would be for a couple. Like I've maybe I'm 34 now, so I've had let's say arguably 17 like Valentine's Day dates. Mm-hmm. If you want to call that, I was successful every year, which is not true, but yeah. I'll just say I was. So many times I can think of like trying to go to a restaurant, you're waiting two hours just for your first on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Of course you are. Or like whatever it is, not the restaurant's fault. Yeah. But it's like I really like this girl, or I want to press this girl, my girlfriend, or whatever. Yeah. It's like how nice would be just be sitting in your place, and someone just caters to exactly what you want. Yeah. Oh, and you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay for a lift. It's cold in Chicago. Yeah. Like. You can drink as many bottles of wine as you want. You can pair a whole bottle to one course just for you if you choose to. Because I'm leaving when it's over. You just get to go to sleep on the couch. So what are your thoughts on the situation of the restaurant industry as a whole right now? Right, they kind of went through two dips already. Yeah. Right now, we here in Chicago just reopened for indoor dining in February, but... Give me, give me your thoughts on the inside. Um, there's some places that can survive okay. off of just their to-go or just their 25%, mm-hmm. but there are places that can't. Right. Like River Roast. Yeah. River Roast is currently operating with two employees. That's wild. Two employees and a manager, down from 200 employees. Yeah. You know? Um, and you've seen it all throughout Chicago. The places that can't adapt to to-go just because it's not their style. Yeah. Morton Steakhouse closed. That place was open for like 60 years or something yeah. like that. And it's closed. And there's all these fine dining restaurants that are shuttered up because you can't get foie gras delivered. You know? You can't... The, the experience that you get at some of these restaurants can only be had at the restaurant. Or I can bring it to you. Shelf is plugged. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, some of the places they're just, you know, and I think I read a Twitter from a chef that it wasn't, that it was like, it's not about the shutdowns. It's not about the CDC rules. It's not about any of that. It's about, we need to battle this virus. Yeah. Because as long as this virus exists, there's always going to be a rule or a stipulation. Yeah. You know, until this virus goes away and becomes maybe just like the flu or whatever. Right. You know, through vaccination or changing, you know, everybody's changing. Those plexiglass walls are never going to come down. Right. They're going to be up forever now. You know? And until we get through this pandemic, it's it's just going to be a, a big wave, going to be a big roller coaster. We start letting more people into restaurants. If we don't practice correctly, then we're just going to be end up back where we were before. You know, and with bigger corporations that are worried about the safety of their employees. Yeah. You know, basically during the height of it, every employee that was coming to work was risking their life every day. Yeah. To come to work. You know, and when you think about it like that drastically, it's like, how could a, a, a large any restaurant say, you know, you have to come to work today? And we go, no, I can't. It's not safe. Yeah. Not even with a mask. You know, there's points. I'm around too many people. I'm close to too many people. There's too many people in a single room. So it's it's a weird place to be right now. And you're fighting for hours just to get the hours? Like, you're not going to not come in. Yeah. Like, sorry, just whatever the reason is. Like, yeah. You, you're lucky enough to be on the schedule. Of course you're going in. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and there's other places that are not applying to any of the mandates. Out in the suburbs, 
they just don't care. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe their servers have masks on or their managers have masks on, but they're not social distancing. They're staying open mm-hmm. even when it's 100% closures, yeah. stuff like that, because it's some of these people's lifebloods. If their numbers go into the dark yeah. for a month, they're done for. Mm-hmm. You know, and stuff's closing all over the place. It's interesting. It's like one of my friends kind of said it's kind of similar to like the Renaissance and like the Black Plague. Like, a lot of things kind of take over. But only better things are yet to come. But I feel like so many things were blossoming in Chicago. And only, I've only heard of one restaurant. My friend opened um, an Amakase restaurant mm-hmm. at Lawrence and Damon. Okay. But he said they've been planning for three years. The moment he uh, let go from his chef duties, he's like, what else am I going to do besides plan to open this restaurant? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just going to sit around, plan, plan, plan. And the moment we like, have a hint of things opening back up, open it up. Sure. Because, like, we have funding set up, we have whatever, and, like, people are ready for it. So they just opened, like, a month ago. Yeah. Right? Like, they, I mean, we went there, like, more or less opening day, and then open for indoor a couple days later. They have four tables. Yeah. I mean, they have chef, manager, chef, server. So, like, four, and dishwasher. So, five people is way different than 200 or 50 or whatever. And their rent is, like, pre-planned in a certain part of town. And, like, so many things make a difference for restaurants. It's, like, location, location, location. Talking about River Rose, on the river, a block long, a city block long. You throw in all these parties, and then you go down to, like, three employees? Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, hot dog joints, pizza places, you know, Burger King, McDonald's, yeah. they're all, they didn't get affected by it whatsoever. If anything, they're doing better yeah. during COVID. Yeah. Delivery places, stuff like that. But the, the fine dining, more mid to high dining, is, is, has been greatly affected by it. And I've, I have a friend, yeah. his name is Trevor. Trevor Teak, he, um, he used to run Claudia, okay, which nice. was a pop-up place. Yeah. Um, he was ready just before he had a place picked out. They started doing the inside. They started, he was going to have a brick-and-mortar restaurant. I mean, chairs put in, walls painted, art hung, yeah. everything. Shutdowns hit, gone. Investors, gone. Um, he did a, what's that called when people get money? Oh, good pardon me? Kickstarter. Kickstarter, yeah. Yeah, he did a Kickstarter with, like, tickets for meals and stuff like that. Yeah. Everything is delayed. And he's got no money to make back that money. So he actually kept doing the same thing like a friend did. Working on it, working on it, working on it. He's actually taking over the old Takashi building. Oh, nice. On David and Armin's. Super cool. Yeah, because the one guy, the 23 grams guy, was supposed to take it over, but that never happened. So we kept debating, like, that place is closed or not, but keep, they have a sign up that says, like, we're open for takeout. But I look inside when I walk by, I'm like, no one's in there. It's just, like, the mom and the son, like, doing takeout? Like, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but that's what was going on during the initial shutdowns when I was at River Roast. You know, if you think about a kitchen that has, you know, a 10 by 10 pizza oven, 16 burners, 4 fryers, yeah. 3 convection ovens, you know, an 8, an eight by 4 grill. Giant kitchen, yeah. and we're doing like two or three meals a day, <laughs> just me and the chef. Yeah, you know, doing a hundred percent from prep all the way through cooking, through packing to goes, yeah. through closing bags, walking the bags up to the stairs. So the single manager that works instead of the seven managers that normally work, yeah. can can give it to the guests. You know, behind the barricade of tables, <laughs> so that he does it. And it was just like this. 
it was insanity. And it, the getting back to it is so slow going because of the second curve. And then now we're phasing back. But is that going to fix it? We don't know. Or, you know, is it just going to happen again? We open everything up because that's what happened. We opened everything up in the summer, almost 100%. You know, indoor dining was still a little affected. Yeah. But some of these places, their indoor dining, their outdoor dining is indoor dining. Yeah. You know, it's ridiculous. It's right? a window. I went to 90 Mile, and we, we ate on the patio there, and we had to take our coats off because it was warm. It was hot. You know, no windows, no ventilation, no nothing. So, hopefully... With the vaccine now and everything like that, restaurants, yeah. but it's been a vein on the industry and, and so many people and so many restaurants. Probably, I would say the restaurant industry is probably, I mean, outside of the obvious medical industry being affected by a pandemic, yeah. I would say that the restaurant industry has probably been the most affected by this. You know, you think about, like, to your point about your friend's pop up, like, Chicago is all about like pop up and huge spaces. Like a place in Fulton Market opened up. Yeah. There's a place on the street in Fulton Market that just closed because the new one opened up. They want all these little pop up places around, and you can't sit people socially. Yeah. And you just, just opened it in 2019 and 2018. It's just like, psh, like, yeah. Chicago. I felt like Chicago was booming and. A lot of older places that weren't as popular being pushed out as is yeah. for all these new young places. They should. And so I was like, now would you like? Let's say you want to get in the restaurant industry, you want to open a restaurant. Not you personally, but just like someone. Yeah. Like, now you have like so many more things to think about. Like, oh. what what if like COVID like never ends? I know whatever ends, but like, how do you plan for that? How do yeah. you plan to keep an extra like two hundred grand in the bank? When I got furloughed. The first thing everybody said to me, said to me was, great, you should open up your own place. And I'm like, how? <laughs> I can't, and then can't what? even open the doors right now to anything. Thank you. So anything that was planned yeah. was ceased. And anybody that's like, I've been in the restaurant industry for 21 years. Yeah. Right? And this is the first time I've been unemployed for one year and a month. In 21 years, because yeah. it's always been, you know, it's a very interconnected group of people, right? And it's always been like, oh, hey, this restaurant's closing, or this restaurant's opening, or you know, I'm tired of working here, I want to try something else. And yeah. it's always been, let me talk to a guy, talk to a guy, talk to a guy, you know, and then, then boom, you got a job. Yeah. But now it's just like nobody's hired. What do you think that's gonna be like? So like, imagine. Things open up decently well in like a month, like end of end, like sometime in March, and restaurants are open for indoor. What would it be like being a chef, being unemployed, applying for a job again? Like, are you expecting them to like literally go in and like show your skills for a whole shift for free, just to show that you can work there? Okay, okay. I'm wondering like what they think. Usually how it works. Okay. Even when places are wide open. You know, I mean, your resume speaks for yourself, but then also, right. you know, you do what's called a stage. Okay, and stage. And so you'll start staging everywhere. And explain you know, what stage is. Uh, you work for free. Okay. Day. Okay. Pretty much that's it. You know, there's no, like, you demonstrate your skills through a normal day of what would be work, work there. Okay. You know, jump in on that, jump in on this. Basically, pretend like you're a new employee, but yeah. let's see how well you do. Yeah. And then on my level, you know, once you get into like executive sous chef, executive chef, head chef positions and stuff like that, yeah. when you're actually going to have menu influence, you'll do what's called a tasting okay. after you do the stage. Because stage is kind of like, 
me trying out you and you trying out me at the same time. Makes sense. If I go to a restaurant, you know, I don't want to get the job and then get there on my first day and hate it. <laughs> you know? So it's almost like a two, two-way tryout. And then once you say, okay, I kind of like this place, then you are tasting. Tasting usually involves the executive chef, maybe the corporate chef, general manager, and maybe like an assistant general manager. Yeah. Then you can either, if you're if you're opening up a new place or you're changing the menu completely, you can present them with what you want to do food-wise. Yeah. Or you can, if you're opening up an already established place, you can make food that fits there. You know, the, 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 fits the cuisine that's already at the restaurant. Yeah. Like right now we're at a Filipino restaurant. If I was going to get a job here, I'm not going to come in and make, you know, a deluxe bacon cheeseburger. You know, because it's, it's pointless. Okay, I could cook a, I could cook a meat and <laughs> burger. Yeah. But what does that mean for here? You know? That much, yeah. And so, but also what we're going to be dealing with when things start to open back up is... Everybody's going to be looking for jobs That's because a, yeah. there are hundreds and hundreds. There's multiple hundreds of chefs unemployed. You know, I could name 20 right now. Yeah. And then there are thousands of cooks unemployed. You know, what's also going to be affected by that is the pool is going to be so huge. You know, companies are going to be looking at prospective chefs and being like, well, this guy wants this much money. But this guy's kind of just as good. He wants that much money. This guy's mediocre at best. But I think we can pay him the least. Let's bring him in. We're only running at half speed. Yep. We don't need the greatest chef in the world right now. Correct. We especially don't need like a rock star that's going to want six figures to run the restaurant. That's a really good point. Like someone who can handle. Let's give me a reference point of tickets. Like let's take forty tickets an hour. That's yeah. a real number, right? Yeah. And it's like, well, this guy can probably handle thirty, but if he's only getting thirty an hour because they're at half fill. He can keep up with twenty five, and then not that bad. Like, but dude, you're off by fifteen of when we're at full capacity. Yeah. 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 So it's going to be slow establishing everybody getting back to work, and then you think about the hundreds of restaurants that have closed. You know. If, if at a minimum there was 10 employees in each of those restaurants, yeah. that's a $2,000 added to a pool with, or 2,000 people yeah. added to a pool with 200 less restaurants. In it. So it's going to be it's gonna be very strange. Um, luckily enough for me, when everything goes back to full speed, yeah. I will probably just go back to Nice. You know, because of established, you know, they, they helped me out when I left. They said, you know, you know, if you need anything, you know, uh, <laughs> if you need to use our kitchen to practice your tasting, you know, if you need letters of recommendation, anything like that, 100%. And, you know, before we left the office, it was like, hey, if things are better in the spring, you know, I can always come back. Oh, of course. And you said that they're owned by some bigger companies. So my thought, as an outside perspective, is they've been through chefs coming and going in the past. They want to keep their good talent. They know people are going to rotate. They would love when things will open up back up, secure someone who gets it, that they can trust to do it. I've always do, hey, this guy applied, he chose us over these seven other restaurants. We don't know if they, those six others turned him down, he took us, and we're last resort, but we're with him, let's hope he stays, right? And then you train him up for a week or a month, and he's like, oh, I was in these 17 other interviews. 
interviews because I had to apply to like 50 places. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go there because coach is in my house. Yeah, and it's just like that. River Rose is like, now what do we do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, it calls people back, but then just like it's not a good situation to be in. Yeah, we're trying to retain customers coming back immediately. Yeah, I think there's also a lot here where you still look at the job market, there are places to still hiring chefs, okay, but I think they're all like on the low, like incognito, hiring temp chefs, yeah, just to see, okay, well, we need this guy for now, so we're gonna bring him in and we're gonna see what happens. I mean, everything was you know crazy during the initial shutdown, and in the summer things started going back up, and then the curve hit, went back down again, yeah, and it was like, all right, well, we love you, but we can't pay you, you know, yeah, they're literally making you know, and Levy owns runs United Center, they run half of Wrigley, they run half of Guaranteed Low Rate, yeah, there ain't nobody there buying hot dogs, <laughs> correct, you know, so they own stadiums, they own the Cadillac Center in Tennessee or whatever, yeah, you know, they got they run stadiums all over the United States, and then nobody's going to those sporting events, correct. So, I mean, if you think about the numbers that I quoted on River Rust, you think about you know, there's 15,000 people not showing up to a baseball game. Yeah. You know? And there's nothing to do about it. Nobody's there buying garlic fries or whatever. You know? So as a company, they had to take drastic measures and go down to, like, crazy bare bones. Yeah. Just to the hopes that... Levy is a company, $2 billion a year. Okay. Okay? When they stopped doing sporting events, Levy had Jake Melnick's Spiaggia and River Rose. Oh, wow. And that's it. That is wild. Everything else was too cool. big yeah. to, to run, you know? So then we got this company that's, you know, went from $2 billion to a chicken wing restaurant, a British-style rotisserie pub, and Italian fine dining. Running at 25%. So it's like, what do we do to hold on? We gotta let go of it. Almost literally. Yeah. And then hope that insurance and, you know, government, you know, can help them to survive. Yeah. Because literally the pandemic was killing the industry. And just to reiterate again, it's not about the shutdowns. It's not about the mandates. It's not about any of that. Because those are always going to exist. And as the pandemic goes up or down, they're going to get worse or better. So until the virus is taken care of, the restaurant industry will not be okay. It's like, I don't get political uh, one way or the other, but like it was stated by our mayor, Lloyd Lightfoot, like she said restaurants, in her comment to J.D. Pritzker, our governor, restaurants have notoriously, or have situationally been the safest spaces for people to go. They take so many precautions to make sure everyone's safe. They take temperatures, they have et cetera, et cetera. And you're not hearing stories of like, oh, someone's a restaurant, hope every diner and like every worker had COVID. Yeah. It's just like, you maybe hear about one person that helped, whatever. It's like, that's if people don't have COVID, but say like, they're doing the extreme taking care of things. Yeah. So we should have been opening earlier. And then I heard too that people were scared 
a few weeks ago. They would wait till after the Super Bowl to avoid Super Bowl parties. So I'm glad now that they're open before that. Uh, but like, my point is though, like people are taking the precautions to be safe, to be able to bring things back yeah. and just do what they have to do to help society survive. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I hope that either direction, whether it's vaccination or yeah. nationwide mask mandate, or you know, people just changing their practices in restaurants. You know, I hope that it brings something back yeah. to it, and it can actually start to you know thrive again, as opposed to when we relaxed everything. You know, towards the end of last summer, and then it just went all the way back up, just spiked like crazy. Movie theaters, sure. sporting events, all that, all that's going to be completely different from here on out. Yeah. You know, public, I mean, social distancing might just become a normal thing, you know, because that would prevent flus and colds and a whole bunch of other airborne diseases. Think about how wild that would be. Like six feet apart, walking into a stadium. Six yeah. feet apart, ever standing in a line. Like that's wrapping around city blocks, yeah. lakes, rivers. Oh, yeah. Like who knows what? Like yeah, yeah, the line at Trader Joe's is ridiculous. I'll tell you that much. Everybody, the one, the one on, on the corridor. Yeah. Um, on the second floor, literally, it goes like from their front door across yeah. the parking lot, all the way down the parking lot, and kind of wraps back around. Of people. Outside in the parking garage, freezing just to go into the grocery store. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy world. What's crazy too is like I, I've said some of those last for two days, and like through my mind, in my mind I'm thinking, if I go in there and what I'm looking for is gone, mm-hmm. I'm just standing here for an hour just waiting to get inside. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna lose my mind. Oh yeah. I'm gonna be at two days of play. It's not their fault, but like I need to get mad at someone. <laughs> So what would you like to leave our listeners with before we uh, sign off? Um, you know, just shop uh, local, support local, and anything you can, you know. Um, not, not to diss any place like yeah. that, but you know, if you want to get pizza, don't get pizza out of Domino's. They're going to be just fine. Yeah. You know, get Serpino's or, you know, uh, some other local pizza place. Yeah. Same thing with your burgers and your tacos. If you're going to, if you're going to, Buy food, you know, prepared food, not yeah. you know, not buy food at the grocery store. But keep it local. Keep definitely help out the restaurants that are struggling, the cooks that are struggling to get their hours. You know, I was fortunate enough to have a really good like severance package that went into you know an unemployment situation and now creating my own brand and kind of getting back on my feet monetarily. But there are people who didn't have that opportunity yeah. who just lost their jobs and just weren't working and couldn't support their family and for some reasons or another some of them weren't even able to get on employment you know so just keep it local shop local support your local restaurants and your chefs you know? this episode is sponsored by bites kitchen The best of times are always shared at the table. Good food, good drinks, good stories, good friends. Wish I had any of those. (laughs) At Bites, they believe that good food is more than merely a part of survival. It is their passion. It has the power of transcend language, cultures, and ethnic backgrounds. 
Through food, they share their culture with new friends and old. They share a piece of who they are. And by coming together for meals, they trade good stories while creating new ones. At Bites, they want you to celebrate cultures from around the world. They've been inspired by Thailand, China, Japan, Korea, and more. They are also excited by the opportunity to continue creating new recipes. Food is always better when shared amongst friends, and that is how they shape their menu. With creative cocktails and a menu that is constantly evolving, a new story always awaits you at Bites. Show up, I guarantee you see me sitting with my Buddha in my hand. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Pod Directory, or SoundCloud. That way, you'll get our latest episodes sent right to your device when they come out every week. For reference, those are all linked up right in the show notes. While you're in there, feel free to leave us a review. If you do, all I can say is two words. Endless gratitude. Writing reviews helps us understand how we can improve the podcast as we all continue along this fun adventure in fashion, fitness, and food. (laughs) 